You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey y'all, it's Bridget here. Meet Tracy Franklin, a whiskey expert, beverage consultant, and a spirited entertainer extraordinaire. Tracy's journey is fascinating and is more just a connoisseur of fine spirits. She is a storyteller, a true magician on Instagram and an entertainer at heart. Her vibrant energy and deep knowledge of whiskey have made her a sought after consultant and a captivating presence in the world of beverage. So grab yourself your favorite whiskey cocktail, sit back, and enjoy this fun episode of Served Up. Tracy, welcome to Served Up. I am really happy to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. You've interviewed some amazing people, and I am honored to be included. Well, can you tell our listeners a bit about your story, about your background? Where did you grow up, and how did you really enter the beverage industry? Okay, guys, just be ready. It's a long story. (laughs) Um, So I actually was an Air Force brat. I grew up in a small town in California, mostly, but we did do a lot of traveling, being that we were in the military. My father, in order to try to keep us in one place as much as possible, used to go TDY a lot. So he would try to take on the travel so that we could try to be a little more stable. Whenever he went overseas, he would come back and bring that cuisine or whatever he really experienced, he tried to bring parts of those cultures back to our house. So he'd buy cookbooks. We would travel around and try to find restaurants that made that particular cuisine. And he just always ensured that we knew that there was much more to the world than than just what we were experiencing in our small California city. And so we always grew up with this sort of drive to get out and understand and see more cultures. And for me, It was very much centered on food. My grandfather was actually in the Navy and one of the only positions they allowed him to have was as a chef. And so he became a chef and my father learned to cook food and really enjoy food as well and also imbued that on all of us. And so, you know, I have my millions of cookbooks that I've actually taken from my family's house. Some don't tell. And um, but I I really, really always have loved flavor and pursued it. Uh, I went, you know, went to school. I was a smart kid. So I was in a gifted and talented program and was, my goal was initially to go to um, US, uh, USC. I got accepted and I was going to go biology and with the thought that I would go pre-med. And I, one year before I actually went to college, I quit cheerleading and decided I needed something else to fill up my time. I was already dancing. I had danced since I was like seven and I decided to join theater. And I got a role in like one of the first productions. And and it was my first year in theater. I was a senior, but you're not really supposed to get cast. And, you know, they give it to the people who've done it more often. But one of the teachers like pulled me aside and just said, you have a really unique energy. 
you have that thing that people are looking for. She's like, you just sparkle on stage. And I really loved it. I just loved the ability to transport people to another world and really make people feel emotions. So I finished out the year doing theater. I I got cast in pretty much everything. I got a lead role in a show that was uh, called Noises Off, where I played a blonde that was very stereotypically blonde and that she was very dumb. Um, I ran around in lingerie for half the show, (laughs) which my dad did not enjoy. And then I, you know, end of the year, I'm sitting there with this big packet from USC that says you're accepted. You get to go to this really expensive school to study something you don't really want to study anymore. So I really sat, I just sat down with my parents and said, Hey, I'm really thinking of just going to the community college for one year, just to reset a little bit, make sure that I really do want to study theater, but I think I'm going the other way. And my dad was all aboard. He I found out later, wanted to be an artist when he was a kid and instead joined the military and just never really got to fully pursue that dream. So knowing that I had this dream and he could help me get there, he was 100% on board. My mother was half on board. She was just more worried about the money thing, which I get. (laughs) I would probably have more money at this point if I had gone to, to school for medicine. But she also got on board once she saw me on stage and how much joy it brought me. So I went to junior college for one year. Then I transferred to Cal State Fullerton, where they have a wonderful musical theater program. Um, I actually initially didn't want to do musical theater because I was like, oh, my God, I'm a real actress. And I only wanted to do um, serious theater. And I got there and they're like, actually, you get paid more if you sing and dance. And you already know how to do those things. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll take more money. And so I made it into their, their Bachelor of Fine Arts program in musical theater. Graduated with that in a minor in business. And honestly, I've st- I kept working. It was really wonderful. I left and immediately joined a cruise ship. I toured the Baltic, the Mediterranean, and the Caribbean and ate everywhere I could. I put like my room in my on the cruise ship always had caviar. We always had some sort of beautiful brie or something because we'd stop in France. We'd stop in Russia. I would like, so I would always get these incredibly high quality food products and just store them in my room because I'm such a pack. Like, I love flavor. And After that, I then joined a tour that was a a Disney show. It was uh, Winnie the Pooh. I played the narrator and I toured the world for three years singing and dancing in Winnie the Pooh. And it was really incredible. I've seen like a third of the countries in the world because of it. And then I was like, honestly, I want to perform for adults now. So I went to New York and that's really where my industry experience started. I I mean, I had been, you know, you wait tables and bartend to make it through life period college. It was all bartending and and waiting tables, but I had taken that break to really go on tour and hadn't done it in a while, but New York, you know, brings out the the hardships and everybody, we all got to work there. So I actually was uh, working at a, at a bar in New York, as well as waiting tables at a, a restaurant in Times Square. I would kind of rotate those based on what auditions were coming up. So whether I needed to get up early and go to a lit callback or if I had to, you know, go to sleep, like make sure I had the morning free so that I could go um, and stay up night at the bar. At the bar, I I was, you know, got well, I was working at a bar that made beer. And so I was teaching beer classes, beer pairings, how beer is made, those sorts of things. I already really love teaching people about spirits. And I went on tour. I was singing with Hairspray and realized when I drank scotch whiskey, I could still sing in the morning. What? (laughs) I could drink a whole lot of scotch and still sing. So I became a scotch drinker 
I focused pretty much on Isla whiskeys at that time because it was this overwhelming experience of flavor. My whole body would tingle and I loved it. Again, I'm a flavor seeker. So I really focused in on that. And when I came back to New York, like whiskey was my thing. And so I started trying to find classes and joined the USBG at that time and really dug deep into the education component of whiskey. Luckily, the representatives and brand people saw me and were like, okay, cool. You want to learn? Here we go. So they started inviting me to classes, inviting me to the things that they were teaching and then hired me for tasting events. And that's really how it started. Just realizing that I had this passion for this story. There was this huge storyline that was so diverse and so varied and created all these incredible flavors with this whiskey. Then I wanted to understand them. But not only that, I wanted to share my understanding with other people because I really felt like at that time, so this almost 15 years ago, there just wasn't much diversity. There weren't many people that were young, that were women, that were queer, that were of color, that were drinking whiskey beside me. And I just thought they were missing out. That was really it. I was like, you guys are missing something really cool. So I <laughs> took it upon myself to educate everybody. Uh, my One of my dear friends, Jennifer Wren, and I started a company called Worski, W-H-E-R-S-K-Y. And we started using brands, brands would hire us and we would throw events that were very inclusive. We would, um, you know, go to a perfume shop or, you know, throw just a big party that was also educational. And so that really started to change the way that people were looking at whiskey as a category and who was the whiskey drinker. Unfortunately, we were not independently wealthy at that time, um, coming from performing and Jenny got stolen away to become an ambassador. I performed for a little bit longer, did another tour, did my final off-Broadway show. And then my partner at the time decided to move to Tampa to work for the Buccaneers. So I was like, let me take a little break. So I took a little break and that break actually turned into my whole whiskey career. (laughs) Um, I landed in Tampa and worked at a bar called Haven, which had 400 whiskeys behind me. And I really was able to become the whiskey woman that I am today. I just really increased my knowledge and then also my pairing abilities and how to educate people on whiskey techniques, um, on whiskey flavor, on, on the stories and behind whiskey. And I just fell even more in love. Luckily, one day, the brand manager for Glenn Fittick sat in front of me and asked for my resume after his uh, session. And so I sent my resume and they're like, actually, you don't have much brand or much, uh, sorry, distributor experience. And so I was like, yeah, sure don't. So then <laughs> this position came up to run the distributor for a rum company called Rum Clement. A house of Agricole. So I took that for a little over a year and I just loved it. Ben, I still love you. And it was an incredible opportunity. But uh, about a year and a half after I got that position, Glenda Fittick was like, oh, we see you're working with the distributor now. We would like to hire you. And it, just for me, whiskey was my heart. I mean, it just, I had no choice. I had to leave. I just really, really, really have a real connection, especially at that time to Scotch whiskey. So I became an ambassador for Glenfiddich and worked my way up to national ambassador uh, during COVID, which was pretty incredible. And left, though, Glenfiddich because I wanted to study production. I decided I wanted to be a full-on whiskey nerd that I was. I wanted to embrace it. (laughs) So I had the opportunity to join the Nearest and Jack Advancement Initiative. It is three-pronged. They have a school, they have a business incubation, and then they have the Leadership Acceleration Program. So that was me. They selected two people that are in the spirits industry and basically was just trying to accelerate our careers. What's the next step for you? So I said that I wanted to be a master distiller. So went into production, started traveling the United States, working with all sorts of different distillers and blenders, going into labs, conferences, whatever I could do to get some more knowledge. I was there. 
as well as taking all sorts of qualifications and certifications. And then I just completed in June my final module for my diploma in distillation from the Institute of Brewing and Distilling out of London. So results aren't in yet, but I'm hopeful that I passed. Incredible, Tracy. (laughs) Truly incredible. Thank you. So that's that's me. So now I'm here. I'm I'm creating a new path into the industry. I think consulting's really been kind of at the top of what I've been doing and also education and yeah. And I'm on Instagram. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Spirited Tracy on Instagram. How did that come to be? Well, and what funny. is it? And what do you yes. do? Yes, absolutely. So what's funny is Spirited Tracy was started when I was just like baby bartender, right? I didn't, everyone just always told me like how spirited I was. They're like, you're so spirited. You're so bright. You're so, and I was like, Spirited Tracy, that sounds great. And I actually have the Spirited Tracy without the underscore. I just messed up the email address and now I can't log in. Uh, it's annoying. And so I got the Spirit of Tracy and then joined Glenfiddich. And they were like, no, you have to change to Glenfiddich. And I was like, ooh. So it was Glenfiddich TF for a while. And I was like, that doesn't feel like me. Like, that's not who I am. I'm not one brand. Like, I love the category. So luckily, they were like, honestly, you can do whatever you want. So I turned it back to Spirit of Tracy. And my goal became... For, well, it's really just to change the face of whiskey, whether that's Scotch, whether that's Canadian whiskey, Irish, I don't care. It's to change the face of whiskey so that people start to think outside the box of who they expect to be a whiskey drinker so that I don't have to walk into a bar and somebody be astonished that I just ordered a neat spring bank, you know, or whatever it may be. And, and I don't like that. And I don't like it, even watching it for other people. I want us all to really be open-minded about who's going to be drinking pink drinks as well. You know, like we can drink whatever we want. There is, you know, that this is such a big thing for me. There's no sex around, about drinks. Like there's no gender in drinks. You drink what you like. And so Spirited Tracy is really creating access to education, um, to new brands, to people that are doing amazing things. I just want to make whiskey light and approachable and fun. Um, I tend to talk too much. So I'm not very good at doing short reels. I'm working on that. Um, but I, yeah, but I really, I I do these mail calls and talk about what I've gotten. I got this crazy Navy strength gin the other day that was delicious made out of cows, uh, made out of, um, whey from making cheese. (laughs) Wow. What was that? Yeah. It's Bertha's revenge. Cool. It's named after the oldest cow to to live in Ireland. (laughs) Yeah. So the cow had 39 calves and like is legendary. So they make this gin out of whey and all of the botanicals are from Ireland. And it was really spectacular. It's definitely hot, but it was, it was, it was surprisingly delicious. So that's what I do. I just try to be myself. I tend to be a little goofy. I put up some dad jokes. I do a quiz, like a spirits quiz, because I also want to make sure people are learning things Mm -hmm. and I don't care. I don't look to see what you answer just because people are like, oh, I don't want you to know that I got it wrong. I don't care if you get it wrong. I'm not looking. I don't have time for that to go and look and see who got it wrong. No way. So I just put them up for people to gain knowledge. And sometimes they're a little tricky. And um, sometimes people want to challenge me in the back end. But sometimes they're right. And I love when I have a correction. So please do challenge me to make sure that I am correct on those. But yeah, those are typically Saturday nights into Sunday. Oh my goodness. So tell me a bit about some of the surprises, right, that you have learned when while studying whiskey. Oh my gosh. I honestly just never thought I would get this embedded into the category. Um, so it's not even just whiskey now because the diploma and distillation. So there's actually this um 
institute that I decided to study with, I was trying all sorts of them. But the Institute of Brewing and Distilling has a general certificate of distillation, which I had heard is something that's recommended for anyone that's going into scotch whiskey. So anyone that's going to be distilling, they want you to take this certificate. So I was like, well, let's take it, see what happens. And I actually felt like I learned a significant amount, which that wasn't true of all of the different certificates I was getting. And I just felt really excited about the fact that there were some things, there was definitely more that I was missing. So I wanted to dive even deeper. And the the next certification was the diploma. Not realizing that diploma was so hard. (laughs) So hard. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. What was the timeline for that? So there are three modules. I typically recommend you do one module a year. Um, Some people coming directly out of engineering school or, or, you know, people that are directly going in will do all three at once, which I honestly can't imagine. But I do understand because they've probably like they're coming straight out of school. They've learned a lot of this recently. So it's been a long time since I've been in school. And this was a real class. This was insane curriculum. It was so inclusive. It was so deep and varied. And I just really learned so much. Um, I constantly go back to my little, my, my book and check things. I mean, it's really incredible. So it's surprising. Surprising is just how many different variables I can talk about that affect the flavor whether that's in a minute way or in a large way, there's just so many incredibly significant and insignificant, but still, you know, important ways to affect flavor. And again, I am a flavor seeker. So whether or not it's even whiskey, just talking about ways that throughout the the process of, you know, grain from the, the growing in the field through, you know, actually the grind and how that affects flavor. Yesterday, I was talking about uh, I had a, I taught a local bourbon class at a bar here in DC that focuses on local spirits. So I do local spirits, local beers, local wines. Like that's their big thing. So we did local bourbon tasting, and one of them is made on a grist mill. So I was talking, and it's probably too much for most people, <laughs> but I don't care. So I started talking about how the effect of the grind, like the grist, and how how different the the like the thinness versus the thickness how that affects flavor and how you're able to extract different flavor from things that have more cellulose than you are from things that are down to the flower. And just, it, you know, so those things just make me really, really happy inside. And so even when I'm describing them, if you don't understand, you probably still feel excited to hear it because I'm just so excited to tell you. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love it. Do you have any recommendations for those who have never approached maybe the whiskey category, but are hmm. curious, like where should they start? Now, is this in actual spirits? Like what should they drink? Cause that's hard. I, I really like, so when I, I'm sometimes called the whiskey whisperer <laughs> because my goal is to turn every drinker into whiskey drinker. And I'm pretty good at finding pairings for people. And that was something that I learned when I worked in Tampa and Haven. Like that was what I did. I had all of these whiskeys and I, and you would tell me what you typically drink. And I would find, you know, two or three things that I'd, I'd want you to try. So I actually think that's a little difficult just because I think it's really dependent on what you love. So let's try this. So I feel like for me, I would probably take like a tequila drinker into rye, right? I would want them to have a nice spicy. I want them to have that green element that they, they know. Um, I also want people though, to, to be conscious of the proof of what they're drinking. So if you typically drink your drinks in a cocktail or on the rocks or with soda, you might want to do the same thing with your whiskey. When you're starting, don't feel like you have to drink neat. You want to keep your proofs around the same so that the ethanol doesn't over overwhelm you. 
Um, you get used to your ethanol and then you're getting beyond the ethanol to the flavors that are in your spirit. So if you typically drink rum on the rocks with a splash of Coke, if you then you're typically going to be around maybe 30 percent ABV, maybe a little lower as that melts. And if you then sit down and have a 50 percent whiskey and try to just drink that neat, you're going to be overwhelmed by the ethanol, by the burn on your trigeminal nerve, and you're not going to enjoy it. So try to take your, your spirit, whatever it is that you're going to be experimenting with, to a proof that you're used to dealing with, and then you can move away to getting neat. Then you can get, you can start to pull back on that splash of coke, pull back on that ice and just put a dash of water. But make sure you're comfortable first. One of the things I say to everybody is nobody should suffer through their whiskey. Nobody wants you to do that. If I were to tell a distiller that, oh yeah, I suffered through your whiskey, but I, you know, I drank it. <laughs> they would be horrified. Nobody wants that. They want you to take that whiskey in the bottle. Yes, it, in the bottle is not how God made it. That is just how it was made at this point. It is yours after that. You are now God once you have that bottle or once you have that pour. You are God. You do whatever you want with that whiskey, but please make it so it's enjoyable for you. That's my biggest thing. So, okay, tequila drinkers, I'm giving you some, some rye. Um, my rum drinkers, I mean, I want to take you into bourbon. But I even may take you, I may be even more particular and take you into finished bourbons, which tend to have even a little bit more of a sweetness to them. Or I would give you rum drinkers, angels, envy rye, because that was very, very sweet. <laughs> um, what about who else? Uh, cognac? Uh, uh, honestly, I would go with a, more of like a, mm, I kind of want to give you like spring bank or something like a little bit of a richer or a highland, maybe like a sherried um, scotch whiskey. Um, what else? Who am I missing? My vodka drinkers. I drinkers. say vodka drinkers can be sleepers. And so, yeah. you know, how do we approach a vodka drinker? I, I would honestly go, I think. So if I were going to do a blended scotch, it would be pig's nose only. Um, blended scotches tend to have peat, which is why people also always say scotch has peat. It's not that all scotch has peat. It's that you, you've mostly been um, introduced to scotch through a blended scotch, through Johnny Walker, through Doers, and those have a touch of peat in them. So everyone's like, oh my gosh, there's peat in everything. There is not, I promise you. So if I could give somebody a, you know, a nice unpeated, a really light, luscious, maybe an American oak finish or American oak uh, matured uh, whiskey, scotch whiskey, I think that's where I would send them. I also would do an Irish, actually. Yeah, I could definitely, definitely. That's actually probably even more likely. I would give them Irish. And for my cognac drinkers, I'm going to give you into pot still. Let's go into some pot still Irish for you. You guys would like that. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> That's really interesting. Your approach that you really are thoughtful on what the drinker already likes. Yes. Cause I want to, you to find similar flavors and, and, um, I don't know, just like, um, reactions. There's like, you have physical reactions to flavor. You know, your, your, your mouth recognizes things and that creates familiarity, which then creates comfort for you. So that's what I'm looking for. What's next for you, Tracy, in the whiskey world? Um, I am incredibly excited about the whiskey world. I'm going to always continue with my education, uh, both in pursuing education and also being an educator. I have been really, really honored and blessed to be able to get all of the education that I have and to have an ability to teach in a way that is engaging. So I will always do that because I think it's really important in order to keep the industry accessible. And we have to provide that education. I, though, am also taking this amazing education I've gotten in production and I've been working as a consultant. So I'll be working with a couple brands 
doing some blending and a barrel of procurement for them to create some new brands. And I also am now currently consulting with Pronghorn Co., which is a company that is built to really increase diversity in the entire spirits industry, whether that's through entrepreneurs or if that's through um, uh, executives in the spirits industry. So I am, I can't really talk about what I'm going to be doing because I'm not quite sure yet. I only started last week. It's pretty brand new. Um, but I'm excited to be a part of something that means so much to me. I have always wanted to diversify this industry in every way. Um, I think that that's something also that people maybe don't understand, but it's not just about getting black people or black women. It is every way. It is people that with disabilities, people that think differently, people that are queer, people that are, that are indigenous. Like there is so much diversity that we need to still have within this industry. And while pronghorn is focused currently on, on people of color, I know that this is just to create a template that we can then use to bring in diverse communities across the spectrum. So that's also really exciting is making sure that we're creating a template that truly works, that's truly going to work commercially. So I'm excited uh, to see what I get to do with them and, and excited about the different brands that I've, they already have and they'll be bringing in more. So yeah, Tracy, I'm going to be staying pretty busy. <laughs> it sounds like it. I am really excited for you. The Thank future you. is incredibly bright. Where can our listeners find you, Tracy? So honestly, I'm trying to do better about being places, but I'm definitely on Instagram is my um, my main focus, spirited underscore Tracy with an IE. I am on t- TikTok as well, spirited Tracy. I don't think I have the underscore there. It's just normal. And I don't do that X thing. I uh, Yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. If people want to do a little bit more of the corporate world. Um, I'm there as well, Tracy with an IE Franklin, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm always at all the conferences. So if you're ever going to a distilling conference, please look for me. I have been doing a lot of really wonderful seminars that have been, again, it's an avenue for me to give back knowledge. And one of the things I didn't understand was how much I gained from being on that marketing side in a large corporate company, Mm -hmm. as well as the marketing side on a very small, on a small end when I was with Rum Clement and then seeing how I could use those and that knowledge to really help elevate the smaller brands that are coming up currently. And now also with having some more production experience and tons more experience playing with um, distillates and and new makes and and mature spirits, I'm able to also take that into the judging. And that's been a really exciting turn of events that I never really expected to occur. I just got a couple invitations and I was like, hmm, I think I could do that. And especially because I'm getting so many things in the mail, so many different spirits, and I'm always kind of judging them on my own, right? What are those taste mm-hmm. notes? What does that finish? How does this follow through? Is this what I'm expecting? And are there any faults? And so that's been really, really fun. And I'm excited to see where that goes. And hopefully I will always be able to make space and time for that because I love the people that I meet there like you. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm happy that you're in those spaces. I think that's wonderful because, you know, we all learn from each other. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's for me, any opportunity to learn. That's not, I just love it. (laughs) I really do. Can you give some advice to our listeners that are maybe just new to the beverage industry and are really, you know, hoping to follow a career path that leads them to bigger and better things? Absolutely. One of the things I, I feel strongly about this industry is that there is room for everyone. I think we all see the positions that are already created and that are popular. And we think, 
you can only do that. It's like, I can only be a brand ambassador. I can only be a salesperson. I can only be on the distributor side. I can only do this thing. But I know that roles have, the roles evolve, positions evolve based on the talent that's in them. So I think that you need to know what you love to do. What is it that you want to offer, not just to the industry, but to the world? And how can you do that through this industry? Because if we're just, yes, this can be just a job. Absolutely understandable. If this is just a job, then come in and find a, a, something that gives you a good work-life balance that pays you well and where you feel respected. That is absolutely acceptable. If this industry is something that you feel passionately about in a way that I do, I know that I can use this industry as a tool to change the world because spirits are something that everyone connects to. And so I have really tried to find a way that I can use my strengths and my skill sets to really change the way that I'm approaching my positions in the world and how I then change events and whatever it may be that I'm putting out to make sure that we're creating that diversity and inclusivity. So what is it that you want to do? How, what role suits you best? And how can you turn that role into a platform for you? Whether that's being the lawyer at a, at a company, you can go in and, and absolutely change the way that, that you are working within the company and the way that the company is seen outside of them, making sure that, you know, everybody is, is putting their responsibility notions. How do you ensure that people look at your company and understand that you are working in a way that is responsible? If you wanted to go into HR, how are you do? How are you making the choices that you're to hire? How are you pulling down walls for people so that you can really create a, a group that is just much more diverse and brings more life experience? If you are a salesperson, how do you bring those products that may not have the same marketing dollar but are incredibly well made? How can you give them a little bit support on the side and still hit all of your targets, of course? But what are ways that you can try to create some more equity? or whatever it is for you that's important within the industry and pursue that. I think it's going to bring you much more joy than just pursuing this, uh, pursuing the jobs that already exist as a template. Use them as a template, actually. Use them as a template and then break some of those corners out and create you where you fit and make it really work for you. That is beautiful and sound <laughs> advice, Spirited Tracy. Thank I want to thank you so much for being on Served Up today. You're an absolute delight. <laughs> and I just know that you're going to do some really big things in the industry and continue to create space for everyone. And I want to thank, thank you. you for that because I know that it's not easy. It's really not. It's actually been, and it's funny because I think back on a lot of the things that I had to put up with to get to this place. I, mm -hmm. you know, people aren't always nice. People are, no. and, and, you know, sexism was rampant and it was also just accepted. You just knew that somebody was going to put their arm around your waist and you just had to deal with it. And I am just, I'm so excited to watch the generation that is coming up now that is not going to let that happen, that stands in their shoes and says, no, this is what I deserve. I think mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And I wish that I had felt more empowered to do that, but I just think it was the wrong time. But mm -hmm. I will, one of the things that I've loved is this role that I've taken on as a mentor it it didn't, I didn't do it on purpose. I just kept telling people, oh, just reach out to me and I'll help you. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh shoot, I've got these people I have to help now, mm -hmm. but it's, I want to save you from all the things I had to go through. I don't want you to fall into the same mistakes. I don't want you to have to compromise anything about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I want you to find the pathways that are going to be best. It may not be the pathway that you think it should be. So like, what are other ways we can look at the way that you're going to be changing your career and, and pursuing your career? So 
that's been my blessing in this industry is now being able to be a mentor and give back in every way that I can. And I am grateful to everybody that's out there doing the work. It's not just me. There's so many of us that are out there ensuring that we're creating opportunity. And I'm just really grateful to be one. Yeah. Well, thank you for everything that you do. And I want to wish you just some great health and a lot of peace, Tracy. Thank you. thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I hope that it was inspiring. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!